thing I, I'd uh, like to say first off is I've worked with, with Eric now for uh, roughly 21 years. And I, I met Eric through uh, a friend, uh, a client of ours at No Fear had shared with me a magazine called Racer X, which was a motocross magazine, the motocross magazine now. And uh, it was also it's something I, I'm, it's a passion of mine. And they, he said, well, aren't you going to sue them for using the, the name Racer? And my reaction was, I saw the magazine. I'm not going to sue them. I'm going to subscribe. This is awesome. <laughs> and uh, uh, and we we hit it off immediately. Eric has been uh, a colleague. We've worked together. He's written for Champ Car Magazine and Racer Magazine. From that day onward, he's been a contributor. You see his words on racer.com. He's an editor at large. He has a huge passion for all forms of motorsport, be it drag racing, road racing, uh, uh, circle track racing. He's grown up around racing. His father was a drag racer. And uh, he has a day job now. This is a job that, you know, he's been in the agency business. He's really a person that worked at our agency at Racer Studio uh, when, it, uh, when we were doing the work to brand the uh, American Le Mans series. He's the person that came up with the tagline, world class, and helped us form the concept. And then later, uh, we worked on the centennial of the Indianapolis 500 and numerous other projects, but he understands youth culture. And in his current role, he also is the person that manages communications for Monster Energy across all power sports and, and is a, an expert in youth culture and uh, uh, just a person that you go to for advice on, on how to attract young people to the sport. That was one of the hopes we had in getting Brian on uh, today. And uh, and, you know, he's a very interesting guy and I've been uh, a fan of his for a long time. So I, let's hope we have a chance at maybe a later date to bring him on. But in bringing uh, Eric on tonight, and, and uh, he's anything but a, uh, 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 an alternate, he, he was going to be part of the show. They have a great relationship and an interaction with each other. Um, and uh, so I'd, I'd like Eric just to come in and I'll try to get on in the, uh, the other uh, chamber here using the link. And... Uh, and we'll have Eric uh, come in and please carry the, the load when we come in and I'll, I'll put on of my mask and uh, we'll bring Eric Johnson in, um, editor at large for Racer. So that, that, thank you, Paul. And uh, yeah, well, uh, that, that's great. So, you know, that's what happens when you're running live. And uh, and so uh, as, as Paul mentioned, oh, here's Eric. I'm here. All right. Uh -huh. Good to see you. Thank you for joining us. You know, you actually belong on online race industry for a lot of reasons. And, and we haven't really have a, a sponsor really represented, a real sponsor of motorsports. So to have somebody who represent Monster Energy Drink, um, this makes sense to me. Yep, yep. No, great to be here. Great to be here. Like uh, racing. Uh, racing's our life. Racing's my life. Racing Paul Fanner's life. Uh, Look forward to talking with you guys and uh, running my mouth. Anything I can do to help, let me just hit me with anything. Let me start off with asking you a question. So yeah. uh, years ago, when I would talk to you about sponsorship and, and talk to especially grassroots race teams, I, I would kind of say, you know, you have to approach a sponsor and you have to have kind of a plan to help them move the sales needle and sell product. And now I think that's changed and, and Monster is a good example. Now there's something else going on where the more advanced uh, marketers, they're doing other things like building community. And, and so there's something a little bit softer or more complex about what a sponsor wants to get out of a, a sponsorship. Could you talk about that? Yeah, the big thing with Monster, I've been there, uh, been there 11 years now. And uh, uh, before I uh, it started at Monster, I had met the people from Red Bull from Austria. They'd come over to the United States here. And uh, that's really like, really, really opened my eyes. Uh, they were, uh, I'd heard about Red Bull. I'd heard about the F1. You know, I'd heard about like when they were first getting started out, MotoGP and that stuff. And I like, I started to keep an eye on them. And I started to see like what they were doing in motor racing around the world. And um, as I got to know them, as they started to come more to the United States, I really started to pick up on what they were doing. And uh, they started to put me a little bit to work on like freestyle motocross or motocross or GP or the written word. That's when they were in Santa Monica. And along the way, I started to see how they were doing things and started to figure out some things on my own. And then Monster wasn't even really a, 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 an energy drink at that point. Monster, if you go back to the late 90s, was 
owned by the Hanson's Beverage Company and was just a small green energy drink, uh, pretty much identical to Red Bull, same size can and everything. And uh, at that time, like motocross became a real focal point for the energy, particularly Red Bull. Red Bull got in the game and other people started to come around. Hanson started to come around. Rockstar started to come around. I remember seeing Rockstar, like I remember being at a freestyle motocross uh, contest at Irwindale uh, back in the late 90s. Nobody even knew what the sport really was. And I remember being there. They had me come out to keep an eye on it. Um, and a bunch of riders were there, Irwindale, and his fate would have it. I was at Irwindale's opening night back when it was a sprint, you know, when they were doing sprint cars there. So anyways, I'm there and like just watching, watching everything going on and like, like a bunch of old like uh, limousines come up, people spill out of the cars with like guys in like, uh, gosh, man, guys in like tuxedos and girls, it's rock star. I'm like, what's rock star? So the reason why I brought that up is just to show you the proliferation of these, these energy drinks. And um, where I'm going with this is, is that stuff started to integrate into the sports, motocross, supercross, freestyle, surfing, skateboarding. It just like this critical mass started to build. And it was at that time, like with the Red Bull, I, I give Red Bull full credit for coming in here and kind of like starting the category. But when Monster got in the game, that's when I was around them in the 90s and we're like, okay, there's something here. We're going to do things differently. We're going to start reaching out and using our athletes as uh, athletes that people can identify with, people can relate to. And uh, it was just, it, you know, at the same time, social media was starting to come on the pipe, so to speak. And, you know, between Facebook and Instagram, all this stuff started swirling around at the same time. And what was interesting as well is I was an advertising guy at this point. So I was like a traditional ad agency guy starting a magazine with my buddy on motocross and freestyle motocross, seeing these energy drinks, seeing the ad industries and being like, where's all this going? Where's all this going? So it was, uh, it was an interesting time. It was a very, very interesting time looking back on it. And so where are they at right now? How would you describe uh, Monster's approach to supporting motorsports? What are they after? Well, we love racing. We love racing. Our chairman of the board, Rodney Sachs, major racing fan, MotoGP, Formula One, NASCAR, Supercross, Motocross. We're, we're basically in everything. Like this morning, I talked to Oliver Solberg in Spain. You know, the next day I can talk with Scott Redding, World Superbike. Another day I can talk with Kurt Busch in NASCAR. I can talk with Brian Deegan or Haley Deegan. I can talk to freestyle guys. And I'm not saying that to like, oh, I get to talk to all these cool people. I'm saying that is like motorsports is our is our canvas, if you will. And uh, we have these athletes, these racers all around the world uh, in very radically different forms of motor racing. And to us, it's just it's like a shared community. It's a shared culture We're we're all into the same things. Like there, as a matter of fact, I was watching the Formula One race a couple of days ago with um, uh, all the guys on there, all the young guys that race. All those guys are motocross fans. The motocross yeah. fans are Formula One fans. The Formula One fans are MotoGP fans. Everybody in that age or that group or that uh, kind of in that community, we all, there's, there's a shared interest there. There's more of a shared interest there than I think people, maybe people even in the motor racing industry realize is, I guess that's a big part of what I do with Monster is so many racers, so many forms of racing, so many different part, you know, so many different uh, series and races around the world, different parts of the world. It's like the, it's like the sun never sets on what we're doing or racing. And, and I love it. You know, you yeah. see like a monster or a Red Bull or an Alpine stars, like we're always out there racing. And I think that's really important. And I think that's, uh, I know the industry is like that as well. Like we're racers. We love racing and uh, everything we do is very, very sincere, very, very legitimate, authentic, true. It's great to get a company like Monster behind our sport because they bring a marketing vision that maybe we're not there yet. And somebody like Monster comes in and then we see something about racing that we hadn't seen before. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the way I looked at it. You know, when I was younger, I remember like my one of my first jobs was in an ad agency for Suzuki and they in Los Angeles here. And they'd be like, hey, we know you like the motocross. We know you like supercross, but we need you to pay attention to the road racing. We need you to pay attention to the MotoGP. And I was still pretty young and I was still in my twenties. And 
I came from racing. My dad was a car racer. I grew up going to NASCAR, IndyCar, Mid Ohio, Michigan. You know, I was at all of IROC. I was at those races as a little kid. And uh, we just, we love, we love racing. We're there because we love racing. We love people who love racing. And uh, we love, we love younger guys that love racing. It can be freestyle motocross. It can be rally. It can be, it can be uh, racing. that's more mature, you know, uh, it can be anything. Yeah. And then uh, I picture Brian Deegan as being a, a perfect representative of what monster energy drink would be after and that he just fits the profile, but I, I don't really know for sure how to identify the profile that Brian fits. You, you want to describe that? Yeah, yeah. No, Brian, that's an interesting situation here. And I don't, I don't want to like belabor or talk too much here, but Brian, I first met Brian. I didn't, I knew who, it was 1997. Brian was a privateer motocross racer from Nebraska, had nothing, had no money, was living, I didn't even know this at the time, was living on somebody's couch. So we're at the Los Angeles Coliseum and uh, Brian is leading the 125 main event, which is like, it's, it's, it's unheard of that this kid from Omaha, Nebraska on a, on a motorcycle, he bought a production bike, he bought at a local Suzuki dealership, put in a pickup truck and drove out here, goes out there and wins the main event. I was standing there, you know, in the infield uh, those last few laps. And I was like, I can't believe this kid's going to win. And this is, this would, this would be like, this would be like, you know, a last place car winning an F1 race, beating Lewis. It's that big of a stretch that Brian went out there and won that night. So he's coming around on the last lap. There's 50,000 people in the stands and I'm watching him. He comes up to the finish line and he doesn't cross the finish line. He throws the bike in the air. I mean, it's something out of a movie, like 50,000 people went. Matter of fact, my friend Tom Kendall was there with me. Tom Kendall was like, I can't believe somebody just did that. And uh, that's how Brian Deegan became a professional racer. He had no money. He won the main event. He couldn't find support the next couple of years. I got to be friends with him because of our motocross magazines. And Brian's like, I'm going to have to look at other things to try and make a living and be a racer and make a living in racing. That's how Brian got started. I found Brian living on a couch and I had to find him to do an interview for a motorcycle magazine. I didn't even know who he was. That's, that's how empty pocketed he was. Now that uh, video, you look up Brian uh, and, and you try and find more information and like within two minutes, you've yeah. got to watch 1997, Brian at the Coliseum, ghost ride across the finish line. And it is awesome. Yeah. It, and where I'm going with all that too is Brian, what Brian did is just phenomenal to this day. Like, okay, from Omaha on his own, just a privateer motocross racer, figured out he wanted to be in the industry, wanted to be in racing, wanted to be in motor racing. I remember I met his daughter, Haley. Haley was probably just three or four years old, five years old, started coming to the X Games with him. I remember Haley being in the, in the motor home at the X Games with Brian, like honking the motor home home. And where I'm going with all that is like, you know, she was just, you know, she was like in watching Barney and stuff like that. And like, not long after, like, she wants to start racing. Brian's sons, young sons want to start racing. The whole family's involved in it. And they just started to grow. Brian kept racing. The kids started racing. Everything started to grow. Brian got behind the social media, the freestyle motocross, the rally cross, off-road truck racing. It just, it just kind of like started to just like almost like a snowball effect. Yeah, and then uh, Brian's got quite uh, an expertise going on in terms of he's proven it with numbers with social media. Do you want to share some of that and how that fits with what we're talking about? Absolutely. You know, you have Brian who loves racing, loves racing vehicles, like all of us, you know, can love a racing truck, a rally car, a motocross bike, anything. He's got all this stuff going on. And then he has Haley who's racing, you know, he's going to race in the uh, trucks this year, all the different NASCAR stuff he's done. Brian's sons are racing amateur motocross at a very high level. They just had a race in Florida this past weekend. And uh, there's just between Brian, Haley, his son, Danger Boy, as they refer to him, social media, <laughs> all these things they have going on, the events, the content they create, the videos they create, the photo shoots, they just always have something going on. It's just, it's, there's just full of life. There's always people around, people wanting to do cool stuff, people wanting to have fun. 
you start showing that stuff off on social media with Instagram or Facebook or whatever it may be, video, people love that stuff. It just starts building on itself and it's legitimate. It's like, hey, I'm a guy, you know, I'm a guy living in Michigan. Uh, I'm going to see what Brian and Halen Deegan are up to today. I'm going to go on Facebook or Instagram and oh, look at that. They're like, they're jumping houses with their, with a motocross bike and Haley's out in a side by side going, but you know, there's always something going on. And I think people love that stuff. I think Brian makes, which we love at Monster with Haley, Brian and everybody, they, they make it look fun. And that's why we, that's why we all love this stuff, man. We're racing people. We love this stuff. We love engines. We love we love race cars. We love motocross bikes jumping over houses. We love watching, you know, MotoGP and Valentino Rossi. We love watching rally. We love, love watching Brittany Force and drag racing. There's always something going on, you know? Yeah, with social media, you know, we have professional race teams watching us right now and grassroots race teams. And, and some of them don't quite uh, always know what to do and how to promote themselves. And, and sometimes I think on social media, to me, everybody in racing is fun. And they're doing wild stuff all the time. Uh, just rental cars alone are worth uh, watching yeah. on uh, videos. But, uh, you know, what would your advice be to a, a small grassroots race team uh, when it comes to how to beef up their social media a little bit better? Uh, that's a really good question. And, um, you know, Instagram's such a funny thing. It's such a, it's such a personal thing. It can be a personal thing for a person or it can be a personal thing for a company or, or anything. But if somebody's like involved with a race team or racing or, or, or even a racing company, um, you want to you want to show you want to show what you're doing is is fun, invigorating. Uh, you're getting something out of it. The challenges to it. You want you want to show people what you're doing. You want to you want to illustrate to people, communicate to people show them what's behind it, show it what goes into it, show the good, show the bad, show the ugly, like, let, just be authentic, be real. People like, people like to see the real story. It could be the human element. It could be things going wrong, things going right. But I think people want to see things that are true, authentic, and things they can, most importantly, they relate to. Any of us that love racing or, 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 racers or anything along those lines there's is again i'm repeating myself but there's very much a shared interest there and if you could kind of if you can kind of emanate or show that passion through instagram through photos or through enthusiasm um it makes a big difference it makes a big difference it might seem corny or this or that but i think if you i think if you put yourself out there and you're putting yourself out there for the right reasons and you're showing like you're doing this because you believe in it and love it i think people pick up on that yeah, it makes things more complicated uh, as well. You know, when, when I first entered the business, uh, promoting was a kind of a simple matter because media was sim a simple matter. Right. It didn't seem right. that way at the time, but now it does. Uh, okay, you, you want to reach the youth culture? Well, here's how you do it. And here's where you buy ads. And they'll, you, they'll give you the demographics. They'll tell you everything where the ads go, TV or print or whatever. And now, uh, like, I have three grown children, so they're kind of millennials. And, and just the next generation from mine, they're very interested in experience. And, and to reach them, you have to first think really more about experience rather than, than media. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. And not only, not only to what you're saying there, but, like, just looking at traditional advertising and media and marketing, like, you know, I guess I can speak to that because I went to college for it and got out and worked in those agencies and stuff. But like, you know, Paul Fanner and I were just talking about it a little while ago. Like, you know, what is advertising and marketing now? Seriously, seriously, what is it? Like, it's like, okay, am I going to go home and watch TV tonight? Am I going to go home and read a magazine? Am I going to go on Facebook? Am I going to go on websites? Am I going to go to an event? Um, I mean, if you really think about it, if you're a company or, or a product or a service or even a race team, how do you get your, how do you get your, how do you get yourself out there? How do you get your name out there? How do you get to what you're doing out there? It's you're right. It's, it's actually, it's really complicated right now, but I'm starting to believe that like, if you focus and pick things that you're good at, pick the things that uh, pick the things that are relevant to, to maybe the space that you're in or the racing that you're in, like it is again, like racing 
there's so many different forms of racing and so many different types of racing and so many different ages of racers themselves. Like you really have to take a step back now and maybe take a look at that. If you know what I'm saying, like there's, there's a lot of there. And not only that, but like, you know, maybe you don't have to spend a lot of money like the traditional ad agency model. You know what I mean? Like go produce a TV spot for a couple hundred grand and like have to do the media buy and then do a print campaign and, or a radio camp. You think about all that stuff. Like it's almost irrelevant now. You know what I mean? Like how, how do you, how do you dial in now? How do you dial in? And it's, to me, it's, it's actually really cool. Cause it's like a new frontier right now. I think you can do a lot with a little. I think you have to be creative. I think you have to kind of learn the space. I think you have to know who you are. I think you have to know who you're most importantly, you have to know who your audience is. If that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does make sense. And, and sometimes we, we talk about youth culture and just yeah. two words, but those two words, uh, that's a gigantic bucket and it's really hard to fill up that bucket. Absolutely. And I know that there's people my age who, who talk about how, how do we get the young people to be involved in, in motorsports and auto racing, get them involved. And, and how do we get involved in youth culture? But they have no idea what youth culture is. Oh, 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 you what, what you're culture saying right makes a lot of sense to me. I'll take it to uh, even another level right now. Okay, 2020. All right, my daughters, my daughters are 21 and 16. My daughter, my youngest daughter just got her license. And we live in Dana Point. There's surf kids around. There's a bunch of kids coming around all the time. And some of them have cool cars. Some of them have Subaru. Some of them might have Mitsubishi or somebody might have done a little bit of work to their car. But here's the thing. They're not really racing fans. And we need to make them racing fans. We need to make them car fans. Like I look at these young guys and I, I look at them and they're like, they like cars, but they couldn't really tell you too much about racing. Um, so that makes me think like, is motor racing people, how are we gonna, how are we gonna stay in front of these young guys? Is it rally cars? Is it electric cars? Is it supercross? Is it the global rally cross series? Is it off-road trucks? I think, I honestly think for young men in this nation, let me just pull a figure out of the top of my head. Let's say like uh, 16 to 16 to say mid to late twenties. How are those, how are those young men yeah. digesting media or social media or digesting motor racing? I mean, like how are the, how are those young guys looking at that stuff? Do we know? I think I know because I work for a company that like talks to those young guys, but like, they're hard to get to, like, you gotta, you gotta know what they're doing. You gotta, you gotta talk to them and you gotta talk to them in their voice. You gotta find out what they're doing. I'm glad you brought that up because I think that that's, I think there's a big bit, there's a lot of potential, that, a lot of potential to talk to those guys. I really do. When listening to you, um, uh, there is one name that comes up to my mind who has done a really good job in the industry is Stefan Papadakis. You know, Papadakis, who was on the panel uh, yesterday, a session with us uh, earlier this year on the Portrait Live. That's a guy, that's a core guy, and like the tip, no, is the ethic of, of, of this generation somehow. But he has embraced the social media. He has a huge amount of followers, and it's about building cars. And when when we did the session with him, he said, "Well, I, I love NASCAR. I love you know IndyCar. I love this, but I'm more interested in wide series where imagination and is is the key where you can build whatever you want. You know, I don't want to be uh, you know basically being told what to do with it with the room." And, uh, and, and he's bringing a lot of people outside of racing into racing. Jim Law, uh, uh, tomorrow with Formula Drift, that's, there's a lot of guys out there uh, coming yep. with their ideas, and it's fascinating to listen to you, Eric, because you really have your big vision of what, you know, what the potential is out there. Really. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll take it at even another step is like, Okay, I watched Formula One from Bahrain over the weekend, and I see the cars and the technology, and I love it. I grew up with it. I mean, I, I love it as much as anybody does. But then I put my monster hat on a little bit, and I put my young guy hat on, and I take a step back, and I'm like, 
Hey, you know those 16, 17-year-old kids that come around here, you know, with their surfboards and their Subarus and stuff? They don't know anything about F1. They can't relate to the car Lewis is driving or the car uh, that Landon Norris is driving. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm just like, young guys in this 2020, 2021, how are they relating their cars to their lives and to racing? Is it, that's uh, why I look at Global Rallycross. Again, um, I talked to Liam Doran the other day. They're gonna go all electric. Liam's racing in stadiums, you know, different cars, Spa Belgium, that they take that and they take those cars short, like uh, very abbreviated races. And uh, I'm thinking like, okay, to a young guy, is that cool? Is that interesting? It very well could be. Will he like it as much as F1? You might like it even more. I don't know. It just kind of shows you what's out there, if you know what I mean. Like there, there's so much out there. It's just, I think there's a, I think there's a, I, again, I go back to myself being young. My dad was a car racing guy. He built, uh, built engines. And like, I looked at the NASCAR and the drag racing and everything we did. I grew up with that. But now I take a step back and be like, I think racing's different now. I think cars are different now. I still think cars can be really, really cool and like really, really meaningful, important to young men and young women. But like, uh, what is it to them now? What is it to them in 2020? I, I don't know. Sometimes I think I know. Sometimes I don't know. But it's just cool to look at it all. It is a lot of fun things to think about. Yeah. Uh, one of the interesting things uh, that I've puzzled over is that uh, there's the sport of drifting. So yes. my, my local uh, short track is Irwindale. Yep. And Irwindale just would fight weekend and week weekend in, weekend out to, to get people up in the stands. And it just would struggle with regular short track racing. They would hold a drifting event. 10,000 people would show up at a racetrack that had not enough seating for them. There was not enough parking. You had to park a mile away to get into it. And so drifting has that kind of excitement. Formula D's Jim Lau is just a genius. But then you drift away and you talk to some of the old guys in racing and they kind of don't want to invite drifting into the sport. Right. And I right. think there's some gigantic uh, miss there that, that's taking place. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with what you're saying. I'm with what you're saying. And I, uh, the way I, the way I, th look, we take a step back. This is how I look at it. We all love racing. We all love motors. We love gasoline. We like, we can like electric racing cars, whatever they may be. I think people need to be open-minded. I think people need to be open-minded. The drift thing you mentioned is awesome. Like, Okay, so you're an older car guy. Let's say you like drag racing. Let's say you're in your 60s and you're a drag racing guy, and that's all that you that you dig. And I understand guys that love that, and that's what they want. But keep keep your keep your, keep your mind open. Keep your eye. You know, think about when you were younger. What kind of you know? There's a lot of potential. The, the the rally, the drifting, the motorcycles. Young guys like that stuff. And the the more that we kind of like. Um, bring everybody into it, all types, all walks of life into it. There, there's racing for everybody, you know? Uh, some of the older guys think that they, they should be more uh, technically uh, oriented in, in the sport. And, and the young guys who are 18, they should be working on their cars. Right, you, right. You know what? They, they, they get attracted to drifting. And then just coincidentally, the best race engine builder in drifting, Stefan Papadakis, he has subscribers on his YouTube channel, over half a million. Yeah. He has viewership of over 2 million. So yeah. I would answer those old guys that these young guys are interested in the technical side of, of, of racing, of motorsports, of drifting. They do want to get into that engine. And the engine's a little bit trickier to deal with. It's not a carburetor. You got to get your laptop out and figure things out with your computer. But I think there's just a gold mine there that just hasn't been tapped by the old hierarchy, I, I would guess. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I completely agree with you. You know, like I think about those auto parts stores and those aftermarket stores and those parts stores I went to, you know, what I go into with my with my dad as a kid. He'd be, he'd be, you know, throwing his money down to buy pistons or whatever. I mean, that stuff doesn't go on now. You know what I mean? At least that I, not that I know of. But you're right. You're right. If, 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 if guys like cars or pe young people like cars or car racing, they're going to find a way to, to, to make it part of their life, make it part of their lifestyle. It's, it's what we're into. You know, and it's the, the same uh, guy that might like, uh, 
have a have a Subaru or a Mustang and want to drift it like Von Gitten, that's a good thing. It kind of parallels what 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 you know motor racing or or hop up stuff yeah. car guys were in the '60s or yeah. '70s. Well, we're talking about trying new things, we're going to try something new. I'm getting a signal from our producer, Reed. So uh, actually, with our functionality, we have the ability, if you raise your hand, to bring a guest with a question. So I have uh, Edwin Redondo. No, Paul, I see Paul putting his mask. <laughs> Don't bring them in my office. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we're going. So uh, Edwin, uh, I see you raising your hand. So I'm going to press uh, the allow to talk button, and we'll see what it does. So Edwin, you're on. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I'm asking Edwin to um, unmute. Uh, well, then, uh, well, we try. <laughs> so, our our uh, post 5 p.m. streak is alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, we're going to try one more time. Ask to unmute. Edwin, you are on the panel right now. You can ask your question, but it seems that your mic is not working. So we're going to uh, put you back, uh, um, you know, in the... Uh, as, as an attendee. Okay, we tried. That's what happened. <laughs> yes, that's, uh, I think that's, uh, you know, that's par for the course this, uh, this evening. Uh, I thought that was fascinating. I hope you understand why we work so closely with Eric on so many things. Uh, he really is a, he really is a, a source of insight for us here at Racer. Uh, you know, it, it's really valuable and, and we hope to have some of what e Eric brings uh, to, to any office you know, at online race industry week to, to really have moments throughout this week where let's stop and just spend some time rethinking a little bit and, and let's open doors that maybe we closed a while back and let's maybe open that door and, and see what comes in, you know? Agreed. And, you know, uh, some of the projects that we've worked on together, Eric and our team have worked on together when he was inside the company as a agency staffer, this was always central to the conversation is how do we invite people in, young people in? What is the, the path and code? What, how do we cross-validate these cultures? And, uh, and he really reshaped a lot of our thinking inside the company and made us realize uh, it, we want to do the right thing rather than simply be right about one type of racing or one type of motorsport being better than the other. We all share a passion. What I found as we got to know these emerging categories of motorsport was we have a lot more in common than we would have realized. And they see a progression many times of people who entered these forms of motorsport. They move from, might be drifting, they desire to move on to things that are new and different for them. That might be road racing, might be circle track racing, might be drag racing. They're, they're, they're like the rest of us. We're exposed to new things and we embrace them, but it starts with a core passion for motorsports. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, uh, at some point we, we have to say when it comes to youth culture, give the customer what the customer wants. And so I, I think of a, a you know, great promoter like Humpy Wheeler. I, yeah. I don't know if Humpy Wheeler would be confused about what to do with drifting. I, I think he'd be right on it. And Humpy Wheeler, I saw him talk one time and he was puzzling things out. And he goes, well, you know, if we actually had uh, bigger cars, bigger race vehicles, we could give the sponsors what they want and, and give them more of a space to have a message, more of a billboard. Because basically he said, the NASCAR cars are just billboards and that's why we're being so successful. We have bigger cars than a lot of the other sports. And the next step for Humpy, of course, and he said it was, I, I wonder if we should be racing tractor trailers. <laughs> we have even a bigger billboard for the sponsors. Well, uh I would always listen to Humpy Wheeler. He might be onto something. I've not seen him get it wrong very often. Yeah. Uh, but uh, one of the things he understood was the wonderment and the kind of uh, uh, pure joy of being exposed to motorsport, that you know, awe and fascination that someone has and the mystery of it. And what I think we all have seen today too is that there is a, there is a really cool thing underlying all of this, which is culture. And you talked about Jim and Ryan at, at Formula Drift. 
they built a culture around it. I, I look at so many things that our friends are monster at monster are into. They're into things that actually are culture cultural. And when the when you're a fan or a participant or someone in that culture, you represent that culture to the world. You wear it you know, as your part of your personality. And I think that that's a real opportunity for motorsports. Uh, we we are in a we're on a really great moment of restart. And remember, racing's done better than other things. And Eric, you know, you're well aware of this because we've talked about it, but, you know, a uh, 171 or 72% increase in 18 to 24 audience on racer.com this year uh, because we had something they were interested in. And that was uh, esports. Simple as that. <laughs> they, they were exposed to other things after that and they stayed, but there was something that invited them in and they decided to look it out, check it out and stay. And I think that's, uh, that's really important for the whole industry. Shared interest. Yeah. I, I remember asking my, I remember asking my son years ago, what would you like for a Christmas gift? And he said, well, I, I would like an experience. Uh, this could get me an experience. And so I think that year we, we got him a, a kayaking He'd go kayaking in the back bay. But uh, you know, again, the youth culture may not be that mysterious uh, when it comes to uh, the organization Grid Life. So Grid yeah, Life, decides, a great job. huh? Great job. <laughs> yeah. So so Grid Life, I'll give you an experience. I'll give you a camping, rock and roll, fast cars, fun, the whole weekend. You know, um, and you give them an experience, and, and lo and behold, they show up. Yeah, it's cultural though, John. I mean, and and uh, it it's not all that different uh, in one sense, and it's very different in another. You know, I one of the best lines I want to be different, like all my friends. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's that that could be the book on all this. But I I you know, it's fascinating. And and Eric, I want to thank you for uh, stepping in in an unexpected role tonight. Uh, you always uh, you are always a source of wisdom for us and the racer team and a, a great source uh, your great collaborator and the content you produce is just wonderful uh, and you've been uh, you've opened our eyes to so many different things over the years we're all grateful you know uh, I, it, it's just fun I mean it's fun we all like this we all like this or love it and do it because we uh, we got into these young guys because we love it and it's fun I, I I think you're right Paul I think you, what you guys just talked about the past couple minutes. I, I don't think it's as hard as we might think it is. I, I think it's I just you gotta you gotta get in front of the get in front of them and you've gotta like like you said it's cultural very important cultural shared interest common denominator. I think that uh, if uh, the men involved in motor racing and the aftermarket business can kind of look at this stuff, uh, there's a lot of potential there. Yeah, and I think you know we've we've said men a lot tonight, but I have to say one thing that's also. The growth in the female audience has outpaced oh, yeah. the growth. Yeah, I want to say that. Yep. We were up uh, through September by 300% in female audience. We had a major shift in audience this year. And the greatest opportunity ultimately is women can be equal competitors in this sport. There's no reason. They already are. They, they, uh, they earn their way in like the rest of us. And uh, as, had, as someone who's been uh, you know, beaten soundly on a racetrack, uh, by um, uh, several really excellent women racing drivers. They're the they're racing drivers. I, I'm impressed with them and I love the fact they're there. And I want us as, as a culture to realize we got a big advantage over other sports. You know, in the digital world, uh, whatever gets clicks wins. And when it comes to online race industry week, uh, the most shares of any of our webinars is the women in motorsports uh, webinar. Yes. And, and again, uh, you know, looking forward to that tomorrow very much because the people on that panel uh, are all, they, there's not a single one of them that hasn't earned their way in at the top level of the sport. And uh, women drink monster too. You know, it's uh, the women uh, subscribe to racer. They come to racer.com. They go to races. And uh, you know, my, one of my dreams is to see a woman's face on the trophy, the Borg Warner trophy at the Indianapolis motor speedway. I think that's a, that's going to be a milestone moment. And uh, I know there are a number of young women who have that absolutely on their uh, board of dreams. That's what they want to do. And, and uh, the world opens up to us at that point. I think we have a, we, we dramatically increase the scale of audience and engagement. Here's a nice note from a 22 year old uh, watching us this week. Uh, hello, Eric. 
I found your chat regarding young people in motorsport very interesting. I'm 22 and love motorsport from an engineering point of view, meaning I love the full-blown Indy NASCAR LMP cars. But I was amazed at how the drifters impressed all of the pure racers at the Goodwood Festival of Speed. Yes. Yeah, I mean, think about, think about it. Loud, fast, like cars doing outlandish things. Why wouldn't people like it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so, and it, uh, you know, uh, Formula Drift had me at hello. Uh, and uh, I, I think that it's a great attractor. It, it's intuitive when you watch it. You see something that you used to see on the racetrack. Race cars used to be driven almost like a, uh, a drift car. That used to be the fast way to drive a racing car. To me, there's a certain thing that's been lost with all the technology that's come in when the cars track around the corner with very little slippage or slip angle in the cars. Uh, no. But yeah, it's really, you know, you, we've talked about that endlessly, uh, 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 Eric, when we've been at the races together. Uh, the human element. You're right, Paul. That That's very interesting. Think about that. As a matter of fact, I hope I'm not interrupting here, but I was just going to no, say, you're like, not. even talking you're to like- star. The, the, the road racing guys, the younger road racing guys lately, like uh, Cameron Bobier, you know, he's going to run for the world championship next year. He's telling me I, I, where I'm going. Where am I going with this? I talked to Cameron. He's like, hey, I, you know, I'm learning this motorcycle. I talked to Kenny Roberts a couple of days. Kenny Roberts is saying like, hey, like these guys are going to have to ride these GP bikes like dirt track bikes again. Cameron Bobby knows that too. I guess where I'm going with that is like things, things are always changing. What comes around goes around. Like That's right. And what was old is new again. And I think that, that what we're going to see is an embrace of that. I think having cars where you can see the driver driving the car. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, every form of motorsport I grew up with, you could do that from drag racing to stock car racing to indie car, everything. You saw the actual uh, skill of the driver apparent and how they controlled a car that had more power than grip. So, you know, we have a world ahead of us that's going to change. I think motorsports has a competitive advantage, as you said, if it's open-minded. And you've really helped our team, Eric, uh, over the last, uh, the last 20 years now. You opened our eyes and our mind to so many things. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm very grateful to you. And, you know, we're, we're obviously we're good friends. I, I think you think of the, it was the younger brother I never had. And you taught me more than I taught you. But I think the one thing that you taught me uh, was uh, elitism doesn't work. Uh, it's not going to get you anywhere. Uh, um, uh, uh, not looking at the other person's passion and sport and motorsport, especially, and not appreciating it is a mistake. And when you find people that are passionate about what they're doing or give them a reason to care, you win uh, if you're open to them. And I think motorsports has the, the, you know, this massive opportunity, especially as the world does become maybe a different thing in mobility and transportation. What we do in motorsports becomes even more exceptional. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and that's where I'm excited. Uh, a racer is a very special thing. And your dad was a racer. I see it in you all the time. And you talk and think like a racer. You're very competitive. And we're all racing to the future. See who gets there first. Who gets to define it? I want this, I want motorsports to define the future first, not just with technology, but with mindset. And I think that, you know, you've helped me see that. And uh, I hope you've helped some of the audience see that tonight. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Cars, motorcycles, like they're not going away. So it's just a, just a question of how, like, you know, we, we, whoever it may be, how you apply yourselves to those. If you like cars and motorcycles, you, you can do whatever you want with them. You know what I mean? That's that's right. And I noticed there's a lot of crossover between the two. I, I love going to, I went to a supercross race uh, years ago and I walked up the grandstand and I was walking up the grandstand and there were a bunch of IndyCar drivers. Then I got another layer up in the grandstand, a bunch of people I knew through, through IMSA and sports car racing. And we're all fans of each other. That's the oh, best yeah. part. Oh yeah. I saw, I saw like a, a Facebook memorial to uh, Swede Savage the other day, you know, yes. we know who he was. Yeah. I mean, when I was a little kid, he's got, he's like, it was a back in the day. He was riding motocross bikes with Steve McQueen. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Sweet Savage was one of the most impressive young racing drivers I witnessed. I wanted to be Sweet Savage when yeah, I was younger. Yeah, yeah. He carried yeah. himself really well, but Dan Gurney loved Sweet Savage uh, uh, as a driver and as a person and admired him first as a motorcycle racer because yep. Dan loved motorcycle and motorcycle yep. racing. And yep. racers that 
racing is about respect ultimately and oh, racers yeah. real pure real racers respect other racers they respect other competitors and and uh you know i i think we're at an era where you know that is a really valuable commodity and we everybody that's been on here has uh, on this panels the last few days they have that in spades just looking at the people in the different sanctioning bodies speak with each other today it's an underlayment of very deeply felt respect for each other absolutely and that might be the most important thing i've heard since i've been sitting in this chair mutual respect that's right so, yep. and respect is the fuel of growth and uh i love racers uh i know you're passionate about drag racing and and uh and you love nascar uh it shows every time we talk about it uh but uh uh you know it uh there, the world is uh, is ours as a as a culture as a motorsports culture if we if we remember that. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And another aspect is that I, I do believe, and I believe this for my entire career in the racing industry, that we have what sells tickets. So racing and racing at the short track, racing anywhere, the speed and noise that that puts people in the seats. So you, you, you watch a movie these days and you watch a Marvel movie. Old people will go to a Marvel movie and say, well, they, they cut too quick. It's too fast. The movie goes by too fast. and It's too noisy. There's always explosions. So the movie business is making billions of dollars off of speed and noise. And, and we've, got, <laughs> we, we've got speed and noise that they, they can only dream of. And, and we have tire dust and fumes. We, we have a lot of other stuff as well. And I, I just think uh, we still have what sells tickets and we just have to just you know let loose a little bit of the past allow ourselves to float a little bit with what today is to a 20 year old and you, you look at the formula one series on netflix and who would say the best thing on netflix is going to be a formula one series and, and, and you know what's behind formula one and that's going to be one of those popular uh things on netflix yeah, human but, element you know, human element it was yeah all that's right it's it's that and you nailed it. You nailed it. You know the next Netflix thing. What I find really interesting about the next, you know, obviously, that was I think a construct of, of uh, uh, Chase Carey and Sean Bratches in Formula One. Really bright guys that come from the media and sports media business. They treat it as a content property. That and obviously Sean had a really uh, uh, terrific. Uh, you know, run at ESPN and he understood how to engage audience in sports. And I think he was probably behind some of this and getting it done before he, he took another role. And I meet young people that, that have, I would never think that had any interest in Formula One and uh, both female and male audience is out there that just loves this show. And they ask me about it. They know I'm in racing. My neighbor approached me he's a great guy. He's a psychologist. I had no idea he had a remote amount of interest in racing. He's binge watched this thing. And I think that the human element is what's so fantastic. And, you know, once you get into racing, you want to consume more about it. I mean, I, I'm sitting, here's my reading for tonight. It's a, a book about Don <laughs> Prudhomme. <laughs> you know, sorry, I'm, I'm pretty, I, I have one, a one track mind, no pun intended, but I, I think that it's a habit I started when I was really young. I just want to know about racers. I want to know about racing. And now that's infinite and all the information's out there, videos, um, social, uh, the content stream about racing is vast. If you're a team or a driver, have your own story, be true to yourself and really uh, don't be boring. You know, don't be politically correct. Uh, I'm not talking about go off on a political rant, just be authentic. You know, I, I think that that's the thing uh, where people are really, they, they're with you emotionally and they want to see what happens to you. That's probably the most important thing. And I, and we see that, that, and I'm really, you know, what my regret here, Brian, you know, he's quite entertaining on social media. I wish we could have had him on and, and Haley is just spectacular and her attitude and social media is terrific. Um, but well, there'll be another day. We could, we're going to be doing this for a long time. I got a feeling. We were hoping to get Don Prudhomme as a happy hour guest, but his schedule just wouldn't make it. But I had a joke ready if Don Prudhomme was going to be uh, one of our guests. So I think Don Prudhomme is one of the coolest guys ever and kind of one of those guys who just invented being cool. So my joke is Steve McQueen went to a drag race and he's walking around being Steve McQueen and he's cool and he's a cocky son of a gun and somebody sees him and doesn't really understand racing. And, and it, it, that guy over there walking by, is that Don Prudhomme? 
and somebody says, no, that's Steve McQueen. He just thinks he's Don Perdome. <laughs> there you go. That's exactly it. Uh, and I think there's something about racers that's special. I always believe that, uh, that, that when you strap yourself into a racing car or you build basically that's a roadbound rocket, uh, you've got a special gift and you've got a special courage and a special commitment. And, uh, you know, I, I have a saying, and I, I think a few years back, Eric, you've heard me say this before, is that uh, we're not in the entertainment business alone. We're actually in the inspiration business. Yeah. The best, that, that ultimately is what I think racing is. It's inspiring. My life has been defined by the people who inspired me, you know, with racing. Roger Penske being chief among them and being able to talk with Roger at the beginning of the week. But he has a, a real deep interest in all forms of racing. He's curious about it. He, he's, the, you know, he's, uh, he's certainly not going to discount you if you're one type of racer or another. And I, I've admired that about really true racers. But, wow, you know, you're, uh, you're uh, I always... Well, I've always wanted to uncork you and share you with the world, Eric. That was actually pretty phenomenal. What's even funnier, but the first autograph I ever got was from Don Perdome when I was six years old. Like, what a weird coincidence. Like Don well, Perdome. I'll loan you this book after I'm done no, no, reading man. it. How's this? <laughs> my, my, mom, my mom helped me write him a letter when I was like six, seven years old. And my, yeah. we got his address out of an NHRA booking guide. And like they, I remember like being in like first grade and the, he sent a, a letter back, a autographed pictures and all this stuff. And I met him. When I got older and met him, I told him about that. I'll, I'll never forget that. Well, you know, if you watch tonight, he might ask you for your autograph. <laughs> no, no, I've met him. He, what a, what a really, what a really cool guy. As a matter of fact, I, that's how I met him was when I covered John Force and Ron Caps, and um, God, when they went down to the end at Pomona that year. Anyway, losing, yeah. losing yeah. the clock. Right, yep, yep. It's yep. human element, man, and telling stories. That's what it is. Yeah, and uh, well, wow, that. Uh, you know, that was a, a, a surprise ending, but a great one tonight. Uh, thank you, Eric. And thank yeah, you for bearing absolutely. with us and, and, and trying everything you did today to get make this happen. I appreciate it. Oh, uh, love the passion, Eric. Love the energy. Love everything. It was, it was great. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Eric. That was fun. Thank you. Registering on EPAR Trade is easy. Fill out your name, email, phone number and create a secure password. Next, select your business type. Choose supplier if you're looking to display products or services and connect with buyers. Choose racing business if you're looking to find new parts and connect with suppliers. Choose race team if you own or are a member of a professional racing team. Begin typing your company name. We most likely already have your company in our database which you can select from the drop-down. Then, enter your job title. Choose Claim Company if you'll be editing your company profile. Other members of your company can choose Join Company if they'd like to use ePartrade as well. You can view and agree to our terms of use here. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, choose Accept. Click Register Now and your registration will be submitted for approval. You'll need to confirm your email once it goes through. To keep our platform industry only, you'll be approved shortly after. If we require additional proof of business, we'll reach out. Welcome to ePartrade.